You are listening to the Phenom NBA Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network. Powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Phenom NBA show. This episode is featuring me, Trayvon Hastings, and Ismail Sai. And today we're going to be taking an in-depth look at the James Harden trade for the Philadelphia 76ers who blew their opportunity to really ascend in the Eastern Conference, the Indiana Pacers, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Izzy, you can go ahead and open us up. Look, I in our first podcast episode when we did bold predictions, I said the Philadelphia 76ers would go to the conference finals. And I still believe that, to be honest. I really think they are good enough still. They've been playing great basketball lately. I mean, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you know, and Tyrese Maxey has been really, really good lately. And he's been what we expected him to be so far. However, they they blew this. Philly straight up blew this. If they, they had an opportunity to get one of the best scorers in the NBA for the past decade almost, right? He's a top seven NBA player. He's averaged 30 points a game, I believe, four years running now. Um, you know, and he could have really elevated this offense alongside Joel Embiid, who's looking like an MVP candidate right now. Because to be honest, you and I both know Ben Simmons is bringing that offense back. They don't have that elite, you know, shot creator that can really take them to the next level and take them to that championship level. So I believe that if the Sixers traded for James Harden, they would be in the NBA Finals. They would be the favorite to come out of the East because Brooklyn, prior to the Harden trade, you know, Kyrie had his little is- has his little issues. We don't know when he's going to come back. You know, Kevin Durant was looking good, but the rest of the team, you know, wasn't really up to par. They were a game below 500, I believe, like a little less than a week ago. So, and Philly was at the top of the conference. So they really had the chance to put their foot in the ground and say, you know, let's go win this championship. And they just didn't end up doing it. And they they really blew this up. And unless they turn around and trade for like Bradley Beal or something, which is probably what they're not going to do. Uh, I don't see how Philly can beat Brooklyn in a seven game series now without Harden and Embiid there. Yeah, I agree. I will say that to me, if I was Houston, I would prefer Ben Simmons over probably half of the picks that they got from Brooklyn. Agreed. So, like, because the value of those picks is probably going to just be the equivalent of whatever Ben Simmons produces in the future. And that's if Houston hits on those picks, because there's no guarantee that the guys that they draft are going to contribute to their team. Uh, and an example being Anthony Bennett, your favorite Cavalier of all time. Um, 
But personally, I would prefer Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. I don't know how willing Philadelphia or Philadelphia was to move Simmons. And for Houston to flip Levert for Oladipo was actually, in my opinion, a really interesting move because I think Levert is younger than Oladipo. He has a more contract-friendly deal than Oladipo. Oladipo is going to get close to max dollars this upcoming offseason. So it was really interesting to see Houston flip him. But Brooklyn traded their entire bench, basically, for James Harden. And Spencer Dinwiddie is a free agent at the end of the offseason, at the end of the season. There's no guarantee he's going to re-sign with them, especially now, because they have three ball dominant guards. Does he have a player option, or he's he's just – I think he's a straight-up free agent. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because – Dinwiddie off the bench was already good, but now you have three ball-dominant players. Who, like, who's he going to come in for? How's he going to even contribute to the team? And he wasn't the starting lineup. So that was also an interesting move. But for Philadelphia, to me, it wasn't – if they were going to trade for Harden, it had to be a Simmons-Harden swap. And right now, Simmons is actually looking worse than he did last year, in my opinion. So – in all honesty, trading Simmons to me is something that I would be more willing to do if I was Philadelphia. It doesn't even have to be for James Harden. I mean, there are reports that Portland turned down a McCollum for Harden trade like three weeks ago. They could trade Simmons for some type of ball-dominant guard who can play pick-and-roll with Embiid and be able to score and score and score. The only guys that can quite honestly do that are your prolific point guards you have in the league right now, like Chris Paul, Kyrie, and Steph, and Bradley Beal. Those those are the guys that you're talking about. And it's not like they can go trade for anybody on the Celtic. It's not like they're going to get Jalen Brown or or Jason Tatum trading Ben Simmons because right now Jalen Brown's averaging like 26 a game. He might be the most improved player in the league other than Christian Wood or Jeremy Grant right now. That he was going to break out, I just want to just wanna say. You, yeah, I will second that. He did say that. I said Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood, so it's, yeah, two it's for fine. Two. I'll, take my, I'll take my two for two on that. But Philly missed an opportunity, and now it's going to be really hard for them because not only did Brooklyn get James Harden, but Indiana got my boy Karis LeVert, And whenever he comes back, which we'll get to him in a second, in Indiana, that team is fourth in the conference right now. They're eight and four. Malcolm Brogdon's averaging 23 and eight. Really good two-way player in the league. Sabonis is average. Sabonis is a slightly worse Nikola Jokic, and Miles Turner's averaging over four blocks a game. They to swap Levert for Oladipo just helps them better long term because to me they're 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 the exact same player to me. Yeah. And that's not even considering TJ Warren is not healthy right now and he's not playing. They don't even have TJ Warren back. Jeremy Lamb isn't back. He's injured too, and he's a really good player. I don't know. People don't remember him with the Hornets, but he would average thirteen or fourteen on the Hornets. Like he can play. Aaron Holiday, TJ McConnell. They've got some – Justin Holiday too. Justin Holiday, yeah. Doug McDermott. Like, they've got some legitimate depth. They can do about any – they can shoot. They can play defense, especially when you have the rim protection that Miles Turner provides. 
Lavert's a pretty solid defensive player. Brogdon's one of the best in the league defensively. The only guy in their starting lineup with real question marks defensively are Sabonis and Warren. And like you Sabonis, can work around that. You can work around that because there are times when you may not have Turner on the floor. You can put Sabonis at the five and Warren at the four. Defensively, that is decent enough to handle, let's say, half a quarter of playing time or even just taking one of them out. Like, if you bring, if you don't start, like, let's say you start Sabonis, he gets in foul trouble, it's fine. You're just going to put Warren at the four. And whenever Jeremy Lamb is back, he's going to be playing the three. So they have a lot of versatility on their team. A lot of different things they can do. I, I'm so I'm so high on Malcolm Brogdon and and Indiana in general because they've been a team to me for a while now. They have a lot of the pieces. It's just Miles Turner to me has not broken out the way I I was expecting him to. I thought when Oladipo won Most Improved Player, I thought that year Miles Turner would win Most Improved Player because Paul George was gone. And I thought Miles Turner would score close to 20 a game. And he ha- that's, just, that's just not the way that he plays. That's not his role. His role is a lot more defensive, being a defensive anchor more than anything. And yeah. he's, he doesn't get enough credit for it. I don't think – he didn't make an all-NBA defense team last year. And he averaged like three blocks a game. He's very underrated. He's probably underappreciated if, he's, if you're not an Indiana fan. He should be the leading contender for defensive player of the year right now, and it's not close in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I'm high on Indiana as well. They they've looked great. Uh, Sabonis is probably Demonte Sabonis is probably my favorite player on that team. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal this season. Um, you know, Indiana. You know, to go back to your point earlier, you know, no one really talks about them. Like they're one of the usually one of the most underrated teams in the NBA. Um, you know, last year, you know, they got swept by Miami in the, in the first one in the playoffs but they definitely look better and they're obviously healthier um they can definitely make some noise in the east and adding Levert you know who can ascend into star territory um and then you only have to give up Oladipo who is probably on his way out anyway because a they don't want to pay him and b didn't look like he wanted to be there um so you add a guy like Levert who is really young, who has a lot of potential, and who can ascend to maybe even a 20-point, 23-point-per-game score alongside Brogdon. I mean, that can be that can be an elite backcourt for years to come, and along with your elite frontcourt that you have in Turner and Sabonis. So the Pacers really did a good really did a good job trying to get Levert for Oladipo. They, I, and then, you know, Levert obviously, you know, prayers out to him. You know, we heard about his uh, kidney stone. Hopefully he's okay. Um, so yeah, Indiana is looking really good right now. They 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 did the right thing here. Um, I can definitely see them, you know, making second round of the playoffs. Maybe maybe even the conference finals. Who knows? Because the East, you know, always there's always a surprise team. And Indiana can really be this year's Miami Heat. You know, the four or five seed that no one saw coming. So I can definitely see that for them. If if they get the right matchup in the playoffs. Oh yeah, they they can make the conference finals. They definitely yeah. can make the conference finals. I thought it was possible last year, especially if they didn't play Miami in the first round. But they did. If they would have gotten if they would have gotten Philadelphia in the first round, they probably would have been in the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, they I mean, probably Brandy would not. They probably would not have beaten Boston, 
but based on previous playoff series that they've had, Indiana's played really well against Boston in the playoffs. And I know they don't have Nate McMillan as their head coach now. That's also another thing to point out. I can't pronounce their coach's name. Very weird. Oklahoma City assistant coach last year. But that he should be a potential candidate for head coach of the year right now because nobody's talking about Indiana. And to me, they've actually played really well considering a lot of the injuries that they've had to deal with. Um, I just – I like them as a team. To me, they don't have a weak spot on the roster other than maybe their – forwards defensively they can counter that with their guards and their centers defensively oh yeah miles turner doesn't have to come out of the game he doesn't usually get in foul trouble so especially if they play let's say they play the bucks miles turner is going to negate Giannis at the rim it's just going to happen yeah yeah and as long as you have a capable defender on him which unfortunately they it would have to be warren or levert which isn't a great matchup, but it it makes sense that Indiana could compete with Philadelphia and especially Milwaukee because of the rim protection factor. The teams that could light them up from beyond the arc, like maybe Boston or Miami, they may struggle with a little bit more just because they don't really yeah, rely on the rim as much. Yeah, because they don't have anyone that can stop Kyrie, KD, and I mean, no one really does, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I mean, just their size alone, you know, makes them a, a good matchup for anybody. I mean, if if they play Philly, you know, you can negate and beat on the boards of Sabonis and Turner. You know, if they play Milwaukee, Sabonis like Sabonis could literally go on Ben Simmons, and it's not going to affect anything. Exactly. It's going to help. It's going to better help you. It's going to help them a lot better defensively to have Sabonis guard Ben Simmons because you keep Turner on Embiid, and then. Brogdon and Lavert are going to be your two best perimeter defensive players, other than guys off the bench like Justin Holiday. Those guys are going to guard the two shooters they have in Curry and Green. And TJ Warren, Warren can guard Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is a really good player, but he's not all that. Like, TJ Warren can guard him. So they match up perfectly against Philadelphia in terms of defensive matchups. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if they if, if Philly had Harden, though, I mean, I don't know if we would be able to say that. But, I mean, definitely definitely Indiana, you know, they definitely have a lot of depth off the bench, you know, in their starting lineup, of course. You know, once they once they get healthy, this could be a, a really, really dangerous team. I, I can definitely see that. They can make noise. So let's move on to the next part of the Harden trade. The Cleveland Cavaliers somehow snuck into this deal. Uh, getting Jared Allen and Torian Prince from Brooklyn. Uh, they sent Dante Exum and the Bucks' 2022 first-round pick. Um, so, Trayvon, why don't we start with you? I was not expecting this, so I, so I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, okay, I was in basketball practice, so I didn't know anything about the Harden trade until after practice. But <laughs> when I heard the Cavs were involved and the Pacers, I was like, why are the Cavs and Pacers involved? They knew they couldn't get Harden, so they wanted to get involved So somehow, so that's what they did. But th- for them to trade a guard that, if anything, just takes minutes away from their younger guys when they're probably going to get Kevin Porter Jr. back soon, I would presume, Yeah, that made, that made perfect sense. The only thing I question is you traded for Jared Allen, 
you already have Kevin Love, JaVale McGee, Larry Nance Jr., and Andre Drummond. And we can throw Dean Wade in if we want, but he sucks. We're not going to throw him in. You have all these trees already. And then you get another tree. So are you going to trade Andre Drummond? Like, are you going to trade any of these guys? Yeah, That's um, they, they probably That's are what? because, I mean, Kobe Altman, the GM, he's been taking calls since the trade went down for Drummond. So, I mean, a few teams are interested. I don't know which ones, but that was just a report that came out. So, Drummond. The only, the only teams I think that have interest in Drummond, quite honestly, because it's a one-year expiring contract, the only teams that should even field offers or want Drummond are Toronto, Boston, Portland, yeah. and quite honestly, the Nets could use another center right now because DeAndre Jordan and Nicholas Claxton are the only centers on the team. And DeAndre Jordan's kind of washed. Those are the only teams to me that should even field offers for Andre Drummond. So I don't know how much you would get more value, in my opinion, trading Jared Allen than you would Andre Drummond. That's just me. I obviously would prefer Jared Allen than Andre Drummond. As I say that, Andre Drummond had 33 and 23 the other night, shooting like 10 and 19. So. Drummond has a lot of ability and potential, and he's another player I've always been high on. It's just he has to fit in a certain system. If he doesn't fit in the system, he isn't going to produce, which is why I think Boston is the best fit for him because they they have a lot of guys he can play off of. And I know they just got Tristan Thompson, but Drummond is Tristan Thompson, and he's a lot better than Tristan Thompson. They do the exact same thing. It's better than Thompson so, and Tice. I mean, if Boston had Drummond, I, I mean, along with Tatum and Brown, and, you know, they're getting Kemba back today, I believe. So, yes, I, I mean, that and would be great for them. Yeah, and Marcus Smart as well. You know, that would, that would be great for played really well. Boston, yeah, I, I know. Like, this kid came out of nowhere, too. <laughs> I mean, I love them at Oregon, but I wasn't expecting them to be good right away. They've got a lot of young guys that can really produce for this team. I know Carson Edwards hasn't played much, but if anybody watched Carson Edwards, his final year at Purdue in the NCAA tournament, that guy can light it up. He is insane. He's a bucket. That's what he is. He can shoot the lights out of the ball, off the dribble especially. Peyton Pritchard is – he's he's Peyton Pritchard. He's he's pretty solid at a lot of things. That, that He's just an all-around player, really. He's not great at anything, but – he can shoot the ball really well. I will say that. He's a clutch player for this team. And Joe Hustle, too. Yes. Joe Hustle his butt off for anything. Tremont Waters and Javante Green, pretty solid defensive players for them. They can shoot a little bit. Romeo Langford is the one I'm the biggest on because I watched him play, and I think he has the most potential, especially to, like, crack the rotation in this team. So – Boston would be a really good fit for Drummond. I will say with the Cavs, you've got a lot of really good young guards and Chetty Osman, and then you've got a bunch of trees. So, like, they don't – they play kind of positionless basketball, I guess, to put it yeah. that way. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, I would expect them to move either Drummond. They're probably going to move Drummond because you can get value from him. Probably JaVale McGee as well. Um, they've been taking calls on him. He, my guess is they'll probably buy him out at some point. You know, just let him sign wherever he wants to. And that, that's just me do right by him. 
But, yeah, I mean, Cleveland getting their center of the future here, though, Jared Allen is huge. He's obviously a restricted free agent this summer, but the expectation is that he'll re-sign and stay long-term in Cleveland, which is why they traded for him, because they view him as the long-term answer. He's six years younger than Drummond. His contract will probably be a little bit cheaper. I don't know how much Jared Allen will be worth on the free agent market. I think he'll get 15 to – I think he'll get fifteen to twenty million on the market. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Clint Capella range, which yeah. he's making like sixteen. Which when he signed that deal with Houston, really mm-hmm. smart by Houston because now that contract looks amazing for Atlanta. But Jared Allen, I would expect anywhere from fourteen to twenty million a year. Drummond's making I think twenty five to twenty eight. Yeah. So, so that's like eight million. Yeah, it's like eight million to thirteen million dollars cheaper. So and, that, that's yeah. another reason. Jared mm-hmm. Allen fits their timeline a lot better than Andre Drummond does, and he can play off of guys. If yeah. anything, he's just going to be a lob threat offensively, and he can do that really well. And defensively, by far and away, if you look at the numbers, people would say Drummond's better, but Jared Allen is better than Andre Drummond defensively. DeAndre yeah. Drummond, not DeAndre. Andre Drummond is a defensive uh, liability at times. He tries to, he basically chases steals and blocks. That's what he does. I mean, and he's, he's been he's been good this season. I mean, the, the Cavs have a top three defensive rating in the league, and it's because they of Garland. Yeah. Their offense is 30th, which Garland, Sexland. Yeah, They don't really have anybody offensively other than Andre Drummond and I guess Chetty Osman. I mean, he had 25 against the Knicks, which that came out of nowhere. It's fine. This would be a great time to have Kevin Porter Jr., but he's not here right now. So he was, He's coming back this week, apparently. Apparently, Kyrie is coming back this week, too. So, you know, that <laughs> make, oh, it makes sense. Now he wants to play. Now he wants to play. <laughs> so annoying. Yeah, but yeah, def- definitely Cleveland here. We'll see. We'll see what they do, but they definitely made a good good trade here. But speak our last topic though. Let's just touch on Kyrie for a little bit here. Um, I'll I'll start. I don't know what to expect with this guy. I mean, I loved him in Cleveland, of course. You know, him and LeBron. You know, the Golden Days. You know, championship, all that. You know, that was that was like you know, yes, Kyrie, untuck Kyrie, mask Kyrie, all that. You know, we we love that Kyrie. Then the, you know, the Boston Kyrie Irving, the Brooklyn Kyrie Irving, I mean, who the hell is this guy? I mean, he's just, you know, taking hiatuses whenever he wants to, a little vacation, you know, just like, oh, I don't feel like playing basketball. I like, I mean, I don't, I don't understand. And I know Stephen A. Smith on ESPN the other day said Kyrie should retire. Now, I think that's a little bit much. But again, if Kyrie doesn't really want to play basketball, then why is he still playing? Why is he still in the NBA? Like, and then... And then, you know, you just go on your rent, you, you ran to vacation without telling anyone, like, why you're going on, on, on this, you know, week or two week, however long break he's on. And then, and, and then, you know, there were reports saying that he was upset with, like, the fact that they hired Steve Nash or something. And then he's taking his anger out now. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe they have a rocky start there and that we don't know about. But, I mean, again, you know, Kyrie Irving needs to get back onto the court. You have a job to do, man. You're an NBA player getting paid $28 million a year or whatever you're getting paid. Like, you got to get on the court. Your team needs you. And then, they obviously, trade for Harden. Um, I, me, personally, I, I don't think the Nets trade for Harden if, if Kyrie wasn't 
acting weird because they were firing on offense with with Kyrie and KD. So I, that's just me. But that that they Brooklyn Kyrie forced Brooklyn's hand. So like you you need another shot creator just in case if you don't come back this season, which is a possibility apparently. So yeah, Kyrie just needs to get get his butt back on the court because I mean this is this is just ridiculous to me I mean I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know how you feel about Kyrie and usually I defend Kyrie in, this, in these situations because I love Kyrie to this day even though you know all of his antics and stuff you know I've taken over and then you know everybody hates Kyrie but I mean th- this is just stupid at this point he needs to get back on the court I don't usually defend Kyrie in these situations I will say that I don't usually defend him because um, I don't agree with how he approaches things. He's very, I will say, hypocritical. I'm going to say hypocritical. I think he's very hypocritical. He talks about how the media, this is what I don't like, because I will be going into this field when I am done with college. That's the plan. But he always talks about, the media has these double standards. The media blows everything out of proportion. And then he turns around and does exactly what the media is talking about. Like, the media isn't wrong in the wrong here. It's their job to create a storyline, whether it's a true storyline or not. It is, that is their job. And they actually do their job. You don't even do your job. You don't even show up. Stephen A is 100% right. I, if, he, if you're not going to play and you just want to leave and just come out of nowhere, just I'm not going to be there, don't tell anybody, then retire. The problem is he wants to retire and he still wants $34 million a year. You, you can't get both. That's not how the United States of America works. That is not how that works. You aren't getting both. So you need to pick one because if he doesn't show up, the Nets have the ability to terminate his contract. They, they have full, the full right to do that based on what is in the contract. The NBA, if he continues to do this, they can find him $410,000 for every game he misses, especially, and that's mainly for the quarantine period that he's going to miss at least four or five games in. He's going to lose at least a million dollars, a million to $2 million right there alone based on the games he's going to miss. And he, all of a sudden, there's a trade. He's like, oh, now I'm thinking about coming back now. It it doesn't make any sense. He does not make sense. Everything was fine until he wanted out of Cleveland for reasons that still fully have not been documented. But apparently he thought he should have been the guy with the ball more than LeBron when LeBron is probably the second or first greatest basketball player of all time. He's better than you in every aspect. And you were still averaging more touches and isolations a game than LeBron was in Cleveland. It is a statistical fact. So you were getting the ball more. I don't want to hear I need to be the alpha male here because in Boston you were, and it didn't work. And then when you were gone, they played for paper. They played fine without Kyrie in Boston. Quite honestly, they played fine with Kyrie last year in Brooklyn. It's the truth. Brooklyn should have just kept D'Angelo Russell if Kyrie was going to do this. Because D'Angelo Russell would be, he would at least be on the court producing. And to be quite honest, he probably is a better fit around Harden and KD, or at least one of them than Kyrie is. They should just trade Kyrie. Like, I, I did a hypothetical trade before I got on here where I'm trading Kyrie and the once great but now washed DeAndre Jordan to the Raptors for Kyle Lowry, Norman Powell, and Chris Boucher. 
Because Chris Boucher is actually a better defensive player than DeAndre Jordan, and he's just better in general. Norman Powell would provide some bench depth that they don't have. And Kyle Lowry doesn't look to score, and he is a great – he's the perfect fit to play off of Harden and KD. That is That would make a sense as a hypothetical trade. I don't think either team does that trade, but they should trade him or just void his contract because I'm over Kyrie. He, I'd rather have Chris Paul than Kyrie. That's just my opinion. I don't think he's better than Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you there 100%. I mean, I personally, I'll touch on your mock trade and then I'll get into what I have to say. But first of all, I think Toronto gives up a little too much there. I don't think they want to give up Boucher, especially considering that you know he's been phenomenal this season. Um, you know, I could see them trading Lowry, though, and Powell down the line. But two first for a guy that's probably going to play five games and then dip for 10, I don't know if I would be a fan of doing that. That's just me. Um, secondly, I really – I agree with you about the D'Lo thing. I think he's a better fit alongside Harden and KD, and you know, at least D'Lo will be on the court. Um, so that's the best, abil- the best ability is availability, as, as they say. So – I, I mean, I definitely agree with you there. But, and then I would trade Kyrie just because, you know, like you said, I'm tired of the antics. If you don't want to be here, then we'll just we'll void your contract or, or trade you. Just let us know what you want. Because taking these, like, you, you have a job to do. Your job is to play in the NBA. You signed a contract to play in the NBA. You signed a contract to play for the Brooklyn Nets. You, you have to honor that commitment. You can't just, you know, take a hiatus because you just don't want to play basketball. Like, how stupid is that? Like, you're getting paid millions of dollars and you don't feel like playing, like, and you just want to take a break or something? Like, like why? Like, like why do you want to do that? And then I really feel like for the betterment of the Brooklyn Nets, they need to trade Kyrie because he's a distraction. I'm sorry to say it. And, I'm, and I hate talking about Kyrie in this way. Like, I, I still, I love the guy. For what he does in the court, he's one of the one of the one of the best handles of all time. You know, probably one of the craftiest finishers of all time. I think you and I, can, you and I, can both agree on that. But I mean, again, if you're just gonna pull this BS all the time, then like, why are you here? Why are you playing? Like, it's just to me, it's it's just appalling that you know Kyrie's acting this way. I would trade him for depth because that's what Brooklyn needs. I mean, because you know, I don't want Nicholas Claxton playing 15 minutes a game in Game Seven. <laughs> Philly. Like I, I, I just don't want that. So they should just trade. You should. They should just trade them. Trade them for depth at this point because I mean this is just ridiculous. Hey, don't don't be hating on my guy Nicholas Claxton. He's the goat. I don't want to hear it. He's the goat. Yeah. I. You yes. We phenom jokes, guys. He's the goat. We're, we'll <laughs> just leave it there. We won't go in depth on that. He's just the goat for reasons I can't answer. I didn't come up with it, but. Uh, they he shouldn't be playing 15 minutes in game seven. He really shouldn't. They, <laughs> they, quite honestly, should trade him, and it's gonna make KD really mad. And you know what? Just trade DeAndre Jordan too while you're at it, because those are the two guys that Kevin Durant wanted. But it at the end of the day, what I saw last night from Harden and KD proves they don't need Kyrie. They yeah, don't. They really don't. Yeah, I mean, they looked great. I mean, Harden had a 30-point triple-double, and KD dropped 42 without batting an eye. And to be honest, I'm so happy KD looks good coming off his Achilles because I've been saying this for the past year that he would be fine. 
and you know you guys at phenom didn't want to believe me but that's another topic for another day hey <laughs> i have the right to not believe that because i, I know if you look at the history of achilles the only person they even played well off of one was the human highlight reel himself dominique wilkins but everybody else was basically rotational pieces that weren't really going to make a difference injury or not so the only real player that had the only real significant player that did suffer that injury was Dominique Wilkins and he came back fine the difference between him and KD is Wilkins relied so much on his athleticism you would think the Achilles would be the death sentence diminish that you would think it would diminish that a lot and it somewhat did not do that the thing with KD where if he came back fine I wouldn't be surprised was the fact that he really doesn't rely that much off of athleticism. Yeah. And he's already seven feet tall anyway. Whether 2K list him as that, that or not. He's seven feet tall and he does and he has super long arms and legs. He doesn't really need to jump that high off the ground to begin with. If he had to shoot one legged fadeaways like Dirk Nowitzki all game, he'd still drop twenty five a game because he doesn't really miss. So I'm not surprised KD's fine. I actually think it's really cool to see KD fine because that injury, that injury is considered been basically the been death better. row. It's the death row of basketball players Bro. other than the ACL. And courtesy to Derrick Rose for having, like, all these injuries because we can look at him as an example, unfortunately. But, like, and then you talk about trading Kyrie. Well, I don't know a team that would even want Kyrie right now. Because based on what Stephen A. did report, for multiple agents and GMs and front office personnel, nobody wants to even try to trade for Kyrie because at this point they find him to be more of a liability because he's not going to be on the court. He's too much of a risk to have on your team. That's what the that's what the actual wording was of it. But basically, yeah. no one wants Kyrie. That's what that's insinuating. They don't yeah. want Kyrie, production or not. I think there's a lot of teams that would love to have Kyrie the player, but Kyrie the in general person, people don't want him. They don't. And I don't I couldn't name a team that would still trade for Kyrie. Oh, other than the Knicks. The New York Knicks would definitely try to trade for Kyrie right now. One hundred percent believe it. Yes, they would. Because they're the Knicks and that's what they do. But other than the Knicks, nobody even the Pistons would not trade for Kyrie Irving. It's not gonna happen. Because it would hurt Jeremy Grant, if anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just final thoughts here before we wrap up. Kyrie is a huge risk to take. And I don't know if you really want to trade, you know, half of your future, whatever it is, for a guy that's going to play five games in two seasons. Like, I, I, I don't know at this point. Kyrie has a lot of had a lot of work to do when he comes back. Because if there's one dude that can mess up this beautiful, you know, James Harden-Kevin Durant combo, it's him. He's the guy that can mess this up for Brooklyn. And if I'm Brooklyn, I don't want to take a chance of anything being messed up. Trade the guy if you can. Avoid the contract, whatever. You still have three open roster spots anyway to fill out, you know, for defensive players because God knows they need that. So, I mean, either either way, I think they're fine for Kyrie, you know, honestly. That's just me. I agree. And the market isn't – the market really isn't that enticing for Brooklyn. So if you could trade Kyrie for three guys to fill those three roster spots and then you have to sign one guy, I would much rather do that because yeah. they're going to be better off having that depth than let's go bring Tony Allen 
out of retirement and Zach Randolph and Jamal Crawford. Like that's not that won't that's not gonna do them anything. That's not gonna do them anything. Yeah, no, that's not gonna do anything for Brooklyn. But anyway, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show for today? I think we hit them all pretty pretty good. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to our episode of the Phenom NBA show. Have have a great Sunday, everybody. There's some sports to watch, basketball, football. So stay interested in that and have a great week ahead. Peace.